Well, hello there. It's April the 79th. Welcome <laughs> to the Jan Arden podcast. How is everybody's month? I'm here with Caitlin Green, Adam Karsh. We are coming to you. We, we feel invigorated. We're feeling positive. As each day goes by, we know we're stepping closer to getting right back into the horrible people that we are. <laughs> destroying the planet one <laughs> brick at a time. No, hi guys. Oh, hello. That's such a, I love that warm intro. <laughs> <laughs> April the 79th, you know, like, honestly, I can't believe that it's May. I actually cannot believe that we've made it through March and April. Those were the two longest months of my entire life. They felt like a whole damn year. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, well, listen, People keep talking about, you know, this is going to take a year, year to the vaccine. We're hearing, we're hearing that 12-month period a lot. We're hearing that one-year thing a lot. And uh, let's, we've got eight months left. Yeah. I've been I, in my house for two months. It's, I mean, I also like the, the good news that came out of uh, Across the Pond this week was that Oxford researchers at Oxford University. Yes. They said that they think they might actually have a shot at getting a vaccine out in September. Now, look at—I don't know if that's pie-eyed, but I gotta trust the people at Oxford to know what they're talking about. Well, they've done human trials. They've done human trials. Yeah. Um, And the—I mean, God love the poor monkeys dealing with this stuff. God (laughs) bless the animal testing in the world. It's—but you know, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to go there. I'm going to be positive. Um, that they actually did not contract COVID after being exposed to it repeatedly and uh, to the point where they didn't think another human being would ever have, have that much exposure to COVID. And yeah. yet these, uh, these cheerful chimps did not develop the virus. So hooray for them. It's great. And on it, I've, I've had, you know, uh, a lot of people like write to me on social uh, listeners to the morning show that I work on write to me and say, you know, and like, I get why they're asking, but they're saying, how come it's going to take so long for a vaccine with all these smart people throughout the world? Why did it take so long to get an effing vaccine out? You tell us, Caitlin. Well, as in, as in my little pea brain, let me try to wrap my head around this, but basically it's just that you have to go through animal trials. Then you have to go through, um, all these controlled randomized trials. You have to go through tons of human trials. Then you have to go into production and there's a lot of effort to make sure that it's safe and to make sure that all these like randomized controlled trials are, are giving you real results instead of false results. Cause that can happen. And, um, you know, I just think back on like, I know people, I know people who've had polio, like really like people who survived having polio. And I think back on that and what that vaccine meant to the world. And, you know, we can get it done. And I have faith that it's going to be coming up sooner than we think. And yeah, I'm cautiously optimistic about this Oxford researcher business. Now, why do people say cautiously optimistic? <laughs> Mostly because I don't want someone to come back and go, hey, remember when you said, I don't want the correction police at my door. I don't need it. And they'll do it on social media. Oh my God. The number of people who will say, you said months ago. Okay, I get it. So I'm just going to well, give the... <laughs> I, uh, I read some article on somewhere. God only knows where. Everything, everything is just a blur to me now. Like, I don't know if it was Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Reddit. I really don't know where I see these things. <laughs> yeah. But uh, that an Indian company is now producing that vaccine that they had started to develop in Oxford, and they're making like millions of batches of it already. Now, yeah. I don't know how much truth there is into that. And um, further to this, here, here's the ethical question. Is it something the government should force us 
to participate in or once like, you know, much like the anti-vaxxers, is it something that should be, uh, you know, voluntary? I, I haven't read enough about the impact that some people choosing not to take this vaccine might have on the general population. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be like the booster shots or, you know, that some people don't end up giving their kids vaccines. And, uh, but other people, when their children do receive the vaccines, they're still, they're still safe. Right. Uh, so I don't know if it'll work like that, or if it's the kind of thing where right away they want everybody to have it. It's going to be a tough one. Like, I don't know how, I mean, I have, I know people like I have, you know, I have people close up, like close to me who aren't a fan of vaccinations. Um, and so I don't know what they're going to do. I mean, that certainly isn't me, but, uh, it's, it's a real, it is a real question of what the government will say. And also will the government, will the government in some countries charge you for this? I mean, that's the other thing. Well, somebody has to pay for this vaccine. Um, I, the government is being stretched in every direction known possible right now. Like Mm -hmm. obviously there's more people applying for unemployment insurance than has, I I think since the forties. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, (laughs) I don't know. It's something obviously that I would pay for. I'm, if there's a lineup, I'm going to be in it for a vaccine. I am not fooling around and you're looking at someone I've never had a flu vaccine. I've never, I've never gone to the drugstore and got, I remember, um, when I was in spending a lot of time in the States, I had a partner in the States and I remember uh, Walgreens had free, free flu shots all the time. And that was quite something in the States to go, is there something for free here that's with medicine? And you could, you could go into Walgreens and get a free flu shot. I never did that either. And my mom was, I never getting one of those, but my dad couldn't get it soon enough. And my dad was always the guy that was sick. So maybe that's why, like, he was sick even though he had the vaccine, you mean? Or, like, he... Well, no, he never got the flu, but I just... Right. My dad was just one of those guys that was perpetually blowing his nose and had a hack. And, <laughs> you know, he smoked for 40 years. He drank a bottle of rum yeah, every yeah. day for 30 years. And he just wasn't well. And they talked so much about your immune system being able to cope when you are exposed to this virus, you know. Uh, all these pre-existing conditions that heavily weigh into what your outcome's going to be. Um, yeah, I mean, but I, tri- I think. Go ahead. No, you well, the trick. The tricky. <laughs> I know it's the same. It's the Zoom issues. Like for everyone listening, we're on Zoom, and I don't know if if everyone at home when they're zooming with their friends and family have this. Where you all talk at the same time nonstop <laughs> drives me. Anyways, I think that it's it's going to be tricky. Like I would happily pay. I would happily pay to have the vaccine. Yeah, but what about I, people that do not have? And that's the what I was going to say that I want to make sure I would want, I would hope that the government would set up some sort of a system where the people who need to receive the vaccination for free that want to receive it Absolutely. can. Absolutely. Like heck, I pay for like I'll pay for five. Like I don't, Me too. I, don't know. I was just going to say that it's like buying somebody's coffee behind you. I would absolutely sign into any program that would benefit 10 people or whatever. And I think we will see that. I think we will see that kind of humanitarianism. I, th- yeah. I think we'll see that kind of uh, philanthropic motion forward. I think you'll see people like Bill Gates, people like um, Bezos. I think you will see these key guys that have mm. stepped up in this. I mean, yeah. some people say it should be more, it should be more. Well, no, they're doing they're they're doing a lot. Yeah. And um I think um who was it that just made all the respirators? 
Oh, Elon Musk. Yeah. So Elon, his, uh, they, they, they were building respirators That's and he just, so nice. he just delivered a whole bunch of those. Um, and so I think that's pretty cool that all his workshops or whatever you, I guess Santa would call it a workshop. <laughs> other people other than Santa would call it a factory. Hey, do you guys know anyone who's had the virus? Yes. You do? Okay. Yes. Adam's shaking I, his head. No. Yeah. My one, my one friend, Beth Tallman, I, I mm-hmm. can say her name cause she's been very vocal on uh, social media, mm-hmm. New York city. Uh, she got very sick end of February. Yep. Um, just sicker than she's ever been in her life. Mm-hmm. She did not develop any respiratory issues. So at that time, guidelines were just starting in the middle of March. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think she had a hotline to call. Uh, she did not receive a test until after it was all over. She went to the Mount Sinai Hospital yep. and was able to absolutely test positive for the coronavirus, wow. and, but that she had recovered. So yep. she participated in an antibody um, program at Mount Sinai where they, you know, take your blood and your platelets or whatever and do all that. But mm-hmm. she said her eyeballs hurt. She said she had lots of digestive problems, mm. obviously fever, um, but no respiratory, no weird cough. Yeah. But she said, I knew that uh, something major was going on. She said it just felt so weird. It's so different for, for every person. Like I know a few people who've had it and it's so different for every individual from, um, you know, losing your sense of taste and smell to just extreme exhaustion. Uh, you know, of course, uh, breathing difficulties. Now they're talking about rashes that are popping up on people's hands and feet and gastrointestinal, all that stuff. It's so different for everyone. And then I also know somebody who tested positive for antibodies and never once had a single symptom the whole time. Like, I mean, well, do you remember HIV AIDS, you know, back, back in the eighties when, when it started ravaging the world, uh, when the dust settled, they did see a lot of people that absolutely had the antibodies. They had, um, all the indicators of HIV and AIDS, Mm -hmm. but, uh, they never developed the disease. So that's why it made it difficult. So when you continue to go out there and have unprotected sex or yada, 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 all the things that we found out after the fact, um, but I mean, look how far we've come with HIV and AIDS. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are people are actually being cured from having that virus in their bodies. Um, that they are that people that have had it for twenty years never developed into AIDS, but um, are now free of that. And I and I just think that's wonderful. And that's yeah. the drugs. That's science, people. I and would put science over everything, man. Honestly. Well, you know, a little bit of both. I, I believe in, in positive thinking. I believe in the faith of uh, 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 God, whatever that is to you. I absolutely am a person filled with faith, and I pray a lot. Um, I can't say who I'm praying to, but I'm a person <laughs> that's very mindful of prayer and of being positive and inviting that positivity in, into my life. And I, and I don't care who wants to make fun of me or who wants to say, well, that's, there's only one God. And until you <laughs> accept that into your life, you will not be, I don't take any of that. I'm fair with you. Please be fair with me. Whatever your belief system is, I believe in something good. Um, and having said that, we're going to come back because we've got all kinds of fun things to talk about. Let's transition to people who aren't wearing pants during their Zooms. <laughs> Let's transition to that, Caitlin. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Jan Arden Podcast. We um, promised you going into this segment that uh, we would talk about being caught on a Zoom call or any kind of social media call that is video in nature. 
And this uh, fella didn't have his pants on. I've seen it all over social media. I'm sure you guys have too, but oh my God, it's funny. You can literally see his wieners and beans and he's in like tidy, little tight job. He's not even in boxer shorts. He's in the tight kind. I guess they call it a banana hammock is what they call it. Okay, is that what he was wearing? Because this is the Good Morning America correspondent, right? Or is this a different one? Well, the guy I saw had a banana hammock on. So he had oh a my dress gosh. shirt. He had a dress shirt and a, and a tie. No, he had a cardigan sweater, a dress shirt, and a jacket. <laughs> and he just was sitting there and in the fr- how it was framed off, you could see him in, in like a tight Speedo type underpant. What do you oh guys call gosh. that, Adam? Adam, weigh in. What is that called? Yeah, we need the, we need the perspective from a male. Tidy whitey or what? Tidy whiteys. You took the words right out of my mouth. Tidy whiteys. Well, they were colorful. Like they were multicolored. And I was looking at his crotch. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> well, because it's funny because, okay, so Walmart has said that they are selling out of shirts more than they are pants because people are buying up shirts because they're just going pantsless or they're wearing sweatpants or soft pants, as I like to call them, on, uh, on their Zooms and on their business meetings. And I, I don't know if it's the same guy because there have been a few of them now caught without their, their pants on, literally. Um, and it was a Good Morning America correspondent and he was seen in the in the the initial footage and he had that like little ticker like what they have on CP24 news channels below where it's all the words and then when that was removed you could see that from the top up he was all business and then from the top down he was just bare legs and oh god he said that he was wearing gym shorts but like who I mean of course what else are you going to say so i i just think <sighs> to myself and then there was that hairdresser that was doing like a zoom chat with a, a television station and she was in her bathroom and she was talking about being a hairdresser. And in the background is her naked husband in the shower with his wiener and beans just hanging no. out there. Just, yes, absolutely. It was just in some shower in the background. Poor guy. You know, these are good times. It's, these it's a, are exceptionally fun, great <laughs> times. There are so many things going on. Imagine what has happened. Because really this has been eight weeks of this now. Yeah, our reality. I know in China it started before Christmas, um, but for us here, this eight weeks has seemed like an eternity. Like I'm finally now. I don't know about you guys, but I finally am settling in to. I'm not worrying as much. I don't feel as anxious. Uh, it seems normal. So, hey, check marks there for adaptability and being resilient and oh, yeah. being able to go with the flow. Hey, guys. Oh, absolutely. I remember I got, I live in a condo building and uh, the first time we received an email saying that we had a case in our building, a probable case in our building. I was just so, I was scared out of my wits to just even leave the front door and just received an email this week that we have a third probable case in the building and we're still very cautious. I mean, thank God for all the, the, the cleaners and the staff building staff we have who are PPE'd all the way up, but they come into work every day and clean the elevators and, you know, to take out the garbage and all that. And I remember at first I was so scared and now it's like, okay, like we'll just stay safe and keep on going. Yeah. It's, uh, but it, it just amazes me every day that my routine now is, it's actually really calming. Like I always made my bed, but I'm finding that every day that I crawl into bed, like at the end of the day, I think we're one day closer. We are Mm. absolutely one day closer to solving this problem. We are looking at countries still continually working together on all of this. But I have, through all of this tragic stuff and through all of the 
you know, the sad, heartbreaking stories that we're, we're hearing of, you know, uh, of couples that have been married, you know, for 50, 60, 70 years, dying within the same week of each other and things that literally rip your heart out. Mm -hmm. Um, On the other side of that, there was always a lot of joy to be had. And I hope people are not focusing all their time and intention on that grief. Like my mom always said, Jan, life is for the living. And she didn't mean it to disregard sadness or to completely overlook grief she just knew that you had to incorporate that and still find joy because we are here and we are living our lives and we got to go forward and make the best of it. I mean, Adam's got kids. You, you can't be like, Oh, woe is me. And the world is all crap. And you know, your kids are looking at, cause they're having fun. They're not even going to remember this. Yeah. Well, and I also think that, you know, what happens to a lot of times with, with parents is you, they're under so much stress because you're, you're teaching your kids from home all the time. You're taking on the role of teacher and you're working yourself. You're trying. And also, everyone's job security, you feel, feel that for real. And so you're probably actually trying to do more work than you should even. And it's all to say that what your kids probably really remember most is mom and dad feeling happy or how stressed were they? Or, you know, did we have laughs or did we play games? Like don't give yourself, cut yourself some slack on the algebra. Like, first of all, I don't know how much you guys accomplished as kids in the last two months of the school year, but for me, it was very little. Yeah. It was looking out the, it was looking out the, the window at the sunshine for sure. Totally. Like, I'm like, these are not our peak performance months for kids anyways. And I think what kids most want is a happy, you know, set of parents at home. Oh, for sure. Well, I think everyone will want to stick around for this. We have a really great um, guest coming up today and she's absolutely no stranger to social media and certainly uh, national television. Melissa Grello is one of the co-hosts on the social, which is seen, actually you can see it every day. They've been doing, the girls have been doing, uh, the show from home and they've been doing something very similar to zoom only it's way fancier because it's fancy national TV, <laughs> but you know, they're, they're out there every day. And for me, it's so great seeing familiar faces. It's great seeing these, um, these shows, whether it's Ellen or Kelly and Ryan, or, you know, a- any of these folks that have picked up and doing the shows from home, I find it comforting. Me anyway, too. Melissa is, uh, she's going to come and talk about teaching at home. So like you said, Kate, you know, it's, what do you learn the last two months of school? But- Honestly, like, if you, and I have friends who are parents and teachers, like, you know, they're a teacher and they're a mom. And uh, they said, you know what, just cut yourself some slack. Like, I'm, they're not just saying that as a parent, but as a teacher, they're like, you know, your kids will be fine. They'll get through it. And trust me, they weren't learning anything in June anyways. Well, if you're not already following Melissa Grello on Instagram in particular, at Melissa Grello, just the way it sounds, G-R-E-L-O, you're going to want to, because even I am learning a little bit of French as she uh, goes through her daily lessons with, with her little beautiful daughter Marquesa um, <laughs> but it is it really is so charming and so funny and Melissa is going to walk us through the ups and the downs of you know what it's like trying to keep her daughter cheery and uh, all that stuff but anyway uh, stay tuned we are going to be right back thanks Caitlin for coming along because I'm going to say goodbye to you now Adam's going to stay around <laughs> but uh, um, yeah Melissa Grella is coming up right after the break so you're listening to the Jan Arden podcast. I'm so lucky today to have uh, Melissa Grello with us. Melissa uh, does a billion things, but uh, you would all know her from the social. She's uh, one of the co-hosts of the social uh, television show on CTV weekdays at 1 p.m. Live television, live television, Mel. 
Like, talk, talk to the people about live television just for, like, one second. How grueling is that five days a week? And this, this is season seven now. We're in. It is grueling. Uh, I, I've done a lot of different things in television, but live, it is, A, the most grueling, but, B, boy, it just lights a fire under my butt. There's no better way than live for me to do television. It literally keeps me, and I think the audience, on the edge of their seats which is precisely the way I like my television. Well, you never know what's going to happen. And, you know, I think people need to understand it's not scripted. So when off the top of the show, when you're doing, you know, basically hot topics and, and things that is like, like pop culture and things like that, you don't know what everyone's going to say. Everyone talks to the producers separately. They know kind of what, what's coming up, but you don't know what they're going to say. I'll let your audience in on this. We purposely keep each other in the dark about what our point of view is or what we want to argue for a particular topic. We will literally say at the morning meeting, save it for the show, save it for the show. And we shut each other down because you will destroy any spontaneity. If you know what's coming for you, you want to be nimble. You want to duck. You want to, you want to be able to give an uppercut back. I mean, all metaphorically, of course, yeah. but when you want to verbally spar with someone or debate intellectual ideas, you don't want to know what's coming. You can guess what's coming, but you don't want to be that prepared. Cause that's like boring TV. If you ask me. Um, and then the other, you know, interesting tidbit, if there's any lawyers watching is we share, you know, more or less our points of view with producers, just, you know, we don't want to get sued over saying anything that we maybe shouldn't say. So there's so a, there's a little bit of, there's a little bit of vetting, you know, they're like, Oh, you might not want to say that about president Trump in case, blah, 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 <laughs> you know, exactly. in case they come after us. <laughs> um, but you're doing, you're doing an online version of the show now, which uh, I've heard through the grapevine is a little bit frustrating because of the time delay, but let me tell you this much, just from my point of view. I'm sitting out here in Southern Alberta in the trees. I was so thrilled to see the social get back online, figure out the technology. I feel like this familiar, these friends, these people that have been coming into my home for six, seven years. And it, it has just done me a world of good. I make sure that I watch you guys, you know, every day. Does it feel oh, good to be back? So sweet. Yeah, I mean... You know, we did first, when you say online, I mean, you know, you know we're- Sorry, uh, back on TV. This, like, I'm, back I mean, on TV. Yes, I mean, like, up on the internet in the that, that you're doing yeah. uh, 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 an online version. Sorry, that, that was, uh, I didn't mean to do that. It's not on the internet. It's on television. It's on CTV proper. But uh, it's, it's the at-home version. But it's so comforting to see you guys. It's great to do because, A- the technology allows for it and we miss the audience. We miss, you know, we're television viewers too. And there's a real sense of comfort to see the people that you often will watch daily, especially, and even live in our case, um, talking about the stuff of the day, seeing them. And, and here's the thing, we're all kind of in the same boat. Like we're stuck at home, you're stuck at home. And if we are able to sort of get the tech together, we are a show that we just talk about what Canada is talking about. And right now we're all at home and we need talk and company and perspectives and maybe some levity and some good laughs more than ever. And so I am so thrilled that we're able to do this. I'm glad that CTV, we've got the infrastructure that allows us to do this. It's great for personally my mental health to have a structure to my day 
to be able to still reach out to Canada to get some laughs because our viewers are just awesome and they're continuing to engage with us on social media. So we can give some sense of normalcy um, and predictability in an otherwise really wild time. So it's good for, I hope our viewers, um, but it's great for like us working too. Um, yeah, it, it, in so many ways, it how we're helping other people, I think we're finding when you when you do help other people, it does help you. So I totally get what you're saying. Not only are you providing a service for the country to to hear the topics of the day, to hear other opinions, to get the latest news, but uh, you're also doing something that is saving you. Um, I want to get right to something that I've been, you know, wanting to talk to you about. I've been watching, following you on Instagram for a long, long time, but your Instagram lately, the last, you know, six weeks for sure has been everything to do with Marquesa, which is your daughter. <laughs> and, uh, we love having that glimpse a inside everybody's houses. We, we feel like we're getting a look through the keyhole, but mm -hmm. you're homeschooling Marquesa and Marquesa is a very headstrong, strong-willed person and I remember you and I having just a casual chat last year just about boy she's putting her teachers through the paces like she's you know she's she's on it like she's got a mind of her own she's got an ironclad will tell me how it's going for all the moms at home that are homeschooling right now I think you're doing a really amazing job it's amazing watching you guys well, thank you so much. I have the uh, benefit of uh, a teaching degree and having been a teacher in my last life, as you know. I used to teach yep. grade seven and eight. Sorry, I should have um, prefaced that. But yeah, no, that's okay. But you know, a lot of people do know that just you know, regularly watching the show, also. But um, so that is definitely giving me a leg up. Although I was not trained per se to be teaching little ones, and certainly not a senior kindergartner, and like not my daughter. your daughter, and and you weren't trained to teach your daughter. That's a whole different. That's a whole different game. And it's so a whole different game. And I'm getting a lot of insight now because as you were sharing, when we chatted a few years ago or maybe last year about the challenges that I was having with her at school, she was being really defiant. She wasn't listening. She even went to the principal's office. Like <laughs> she was a junior kindergarten and she went to the principal's office. I was like, oh my God, that's it. I'm raising a delinquent. <laughs> what is happening in my household? Like I was just floored because kids show you one face at home and then I was she was showing her teachers a very different face at school and I couldn't put it together and the hammer came down at home and there were like consequences and like losing your toys and all these things and it wasn't working and I'm and as a, a fixer I was like what is happening here like I literally started to wonder was her whole academic career in jeopardy so <laughs> I'm happy to report that the insight I've gained now in this like very, very concentrated, unending, unending time together <laughs> during this lockdown is that she was likely bored. And that is not to knock the teachers. What I'm realizing is that my daughter is, uh, she's very intuitive. She's highly engaged. She's like a sponge. She's asking questions about things all the time. And she's also an only child. Do you think that has something to do with, I was just going to say, is that only child-ish? Because uh, I was, I had, I had two brothers. So I was in the middle. And I know that you have siblings as well. So you, you've never yeah. navigated this. This is, and you don't, you, you and Ryan aren't having another child. Unless no, you, no, have a, you might have a done. COVID baby. You might have a COVID baby. <laughs> I'm, I'm, thinking of ha not, I'm thinking of having a baby just to have some company out here. I'm only 58. 
<laughs> it's possible. It's been done uh, older than 58. I'll tell Janet you that. Jackson, damn it. So, yeah. so what, so you feel like she just needed more stimulation needed more. more? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. What, there's only child syndrome, 110%. And my only experience really is having one, but I know that she's surrounded by adults all the time. And those adults are constantly at her beck and call and they're there to give her attention whenever she wants and needs it. So a being in a class with 27 other kids is very foreign to her because it's almost like the standing out in the and talking out and behaving is a way to be like, hello, over here, attention over here. So there's that definitely that. But when I go back to the intellectual side of things, she's real sharp and she asks questions that just blow me away. So I realize now it's because um, she needs to be constantly being fed information and knowledge. She's soaking it up and she stays real engaged, does not misbehave. So that's the revelation. It was, I think, out of boredom. Last 20 seconds or so here, Melissa, before we go to the next segment. What, what is, uh, how is she feeling about this? Does she realize what's going on? Have you been honest? Like there's a pandemic. She knows what's going on and she loves being at home. Says she doesn't miss school for a second. She misses her friends and she misses her cousins. But outside of that, she's, she's dealing real well. I, uh, you're listening to the Jan Arden Podcast. My guest today is Melissa Grello. We're going to be right back. Don't go away. We're coming live to you from, well, we're not live. We're, we, we pre-tape this. I'm not going to lie. Um, Melissa Grello is my guest today. She's at her house. She is outside of Toronto. That exactly. Adam Karsh, our engineer, is somewhere in Toronto in his basement. I'm coming to you from Rocky View County out in Southern Alberta, where we just had our first day of sun yesterday. We still have six inches of snow on the ground. Ooh. I saw that it snowed for you guys, so I was kind of feeling better. Listen, we're just <laughs> going to jump right in. We were talking about Melissa homeschooling her daughter, Marquesa. Never mind, she's homeschooling, but they're also doing um, French immersion, kind of. You guys mm -hmm. are doing all of that stuff. Anyway, go on to Melissa Grello's Instagram. It's at Melissa Grello. Uh, her stories are fascinating. If you've got kids at home, just go check it out because it, it's so funny and charming. And Marquesa really is rising to the occasion. She really looks like she's loving it. Oh, I think um, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Yes. We have no uh, camera shyness issues. In fact, I'm usually ripping her away because <laughs> she tries to camera bomb every edition of the social as much as possible. Uh, so, yeah, we have no shyness problems there. And rising to the occasion, that's a, it's a very nice way of putting it, Jen Arden. It's a very nice okay. way of putting it. Well, listen, we're just going to, we're going to stay with the family dynamic because we are all at home with our families. We're not used to doing 24-7. Um, it is stressful on romantic relationships, I would imagine. Uh, you and Ryan have been together for 15 years? No. Uh, almost. We're pushing that. Yeah, we'll be married 12 years this uh, September, but, but close to 15 together. Okay. And we know that stress uh, impacts relationships. We know that. So there was a study done on Hurricane Hugo relationships. I don't know if everyone remembers Hurricane Hugo. And um, in countries hardest hit, the year after the hurricane saw higher marriage, uh, divorce, and birth rates. In other words, hmm. times like these can make or break a relationship. So I'm just wondering, and you don't have to answer this because it is kind of personal. How are you and Ryan doing? Like, are you, obviously you're used to him going off to work. You're at work. You're a full-time, mm -hmm. you know, 
downtown Toronto worker. How, how is this? You guys are on top of each other and you're... Um, you know what? I, <laughs> there are times that I wish we were. Ryan has been busier than ever at work. And so here's Why the Why do deal. you think that is? So, you know, Ryan is a contractor. And yes. so there are different, you know, rules depending on the province you're in about the nature of con- uh, construction sites. And so uh, one of the, uh, his biggest clients right now is actually, um, what's the word, I guess? It, they produce uh, poultry. And so they are an essential service. But prior to the pandemic hitting, Ryan was doing all the uh, fire coating because they needed to get all of the entire factory um, up to current codes when it comes to fire safety. So that's essential. And the, the food production uh, industry is essential. Very so essential. Ryan's work is essential because he needs to keep that place going and going safely. And he was deep in before the pandemic hit. And so he is working around the clock on this place. Um, so and he's also, out of the house. He's leaving the house. He's got to be gone. on site, right? Yeah. He's out and construction is always, you know, out early. But the nature of the, the factory is that when they shut down, Ryan's guys and he, they keep working. So um, I would like to see my husband once in a while during this <laughs> pandemic. Currently, that's almost not happening. I, I'm not lying when I say this. I might see him for an hour or two a day. And so in our case, there is no marital stress. I, I'm a single parent effectively right now looking for my husband, certainly hoping that he comes around as early as possible to help me in the house. <laughs> that is not causing us stress, however, you know, in, in, a, in a weird way, it's giving us the most time apart than we've ever had. And as the saying goes, absence makes the heart grow fonder. So that's not I'm, the answer I expected. Really? No, I, I, for some reason, I thought he was working from home and kind of overseeing these jobs, but I can see what you mean. Is there any concern on your end? Obviously, he's going to these sites. Are they doing masks? Obviously, they're doing some kind of social distancing, but, you know, he's coming home to you and your little girl every night. Yeah. So what, yeah. how, what does that look like? So that is the biggest worry, I guess, on our plate. Um, so Ryan has been enacting really strict social distancing, physical distancing with regards to um, the men that work on his teams. And so they, they get to sites at different times. They have staggered arrival times and what they have to work on that day. Ryan will already stock them with all their supplies for what they need to do for the day before they even get there. So no one is interacting like, oh, you need more nails. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Here you go. It's all set up so that you, all the men can work essentially independently of one another, which is a great thing. Um, uh, but Ryan does have to go do pickups, even though those, all the hardware stores are shut now and all his suppliers are shut. He can still do online. So he has to still interface with suppliers. But again, they themselves are interacting at a distance. So, you know, he's, he knows what's on the line. He's got a little daughter. He's got a yeah. wife. We have elderly parents. He knows what's on the line. And I do put full faith that he's taking all the precautions necessary. But to be honest, in our little bubble, he's the only, he's the only loophole, right? He's the only potential chink in the armor right now, which is the only one going outside of the house. Now, is he doing the grocery shopping? We're doing online and it's contactless pickup. Well, that's one, that's one thing I can't get out here in the country. Um, I do have a little right. country store, though, that, that is quite hilarious. Like, I'm the <laughs> only, usually I'm the only one in there, which is really super great. Everyone's really chill. They're like, hi, Jan. I went for the first time 
about a couple of weeks ago as things were progressing. I've been out of the house twice, but I was the only person in there wearing a mask. Wow. Um, oh, wow. Did they look at you funny? Yeah. Well, I think they thought I was robbing the place. They're like, hey, Jen, <laughs> why do you have a mask on and black leather gloves? Just picking up my bananas. <laughs> so I know it's odd for them because it is small, but they are in their glory. They, I'm really happy for the family because, I mean, here's a feel-good story. Three months ago, they were going to shut their doors. Wow. Um, they were really struggling. The business was struggling. And now... Uh, you know, it's, it's so bittersweet because obviously it's because of a very difficult time on a planet, mm -hmm. but you know, they are stocking there. They cannot keep things stocked up quickly enough. Wow. Amazing. Anyhow, I want to get to this question because it's, it's, it could be fairly lengthy on your end. So six weeks ago, basically when we went into this, it all caught us off guard. Mm -hmm. here we are we're going along it's a friggin' pandemic we got to go home we got a lockdown shelter in place what is different about melissa grello from the six week ago melissa grello to the one now what insights do you feel like that you've gleaned from this experience as far as who you are what your i'm not talking about priorities but how do you feel changed by what has happened and and what are some of the little gems you found out about yourself Oh, wow. That is a big question. Um, I think like a lot of people, it does because you're forced to slow down. And I have always been uh, a type A hustler. Really? always like, you know, surprise. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I'm not the one to sit still for long. And in fact, when I get too comfortable, I get real restless and it's like next, 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 next. And there's certainly a lot of problems with that because you never get to sort of savor the little moments when you're always moving um, at mock speed 10, right? Well, so you're, not, you're have, one of the, you, you've been doing your morning as well for the last few years, which gets you up at 3.30 in the morning. A lot of people already know that. But yeah, I just was wondering how, how you just, do yeah. you feel like you're growing exponentially? I'm growing I don't, I don't want to say I'm growing. I actually am embracing the slowdown. I oh. have not been this. When I say slow, it's like not having a calendar full and 10 places to go in a day. I mean, you certainly understand this really, really well. And that idea that you have a, when I, I don't have a blank calendar because of course I am still working a lot from home, but the forced idea that I have to stay in one place is also mentally has made me really slow down and to savor and slow down and not have either an excuse or a reason or somewhere else to go or anything like that. This is it. And I think that at first that did cause me great anxiety. I'm not going to lie because it kind of feels like the walls are caving in on you. But when you start to settle in, what I've really embraced from this is the slowdown. Um, that was just never me, certainly not our culture. And then you get to see things differently when things are slower. I think that's the biggest thing spending time with my daughter, besides my 11 week mat leave, I've never had this oh, much man. time with my daughter. And on the one, it's not all roses. I ain't going to lie. Okay. It's not all roses. It is hard. But I did early on on Instagram say, this is a gift. If we can look at it that way, there's a lot of hardships for a lot of people. And I know that, yes. and I feel very lucky by comparison. Cause I know a lot of people are, are not as lucky. Um, in my case to be able to just sit, with my daughter for hours on end. I mean, I just don't know when in my life or her life she'll ever get that again. 
And lastly is my parents. They are the demographic that I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, Yeah, they, they are there. They do have, your dad had some medical issues, uh, I believe a few years ago. Um, Yeah. So how are you navigating that? I'm very lucky that Overall, my parents are very healthy, but they are the demo. My mom's almost 80. My dad is almost 78. They're at the farm. They're very active. They are probably healthier than people half their age now, but they're the demo. And so yeah. we've missed them a lot. And um, that really puts into perspective that the finality of life when you think of who's been getting hit the hardest and to feel, A, lucky that I still have them and that they're doing really well, but it's really hard to stay away. But I know it's for their good. So if it's a few months, it's tough, but I'd rather them be here when this is over. For the long haul. Last 40 seconds of the show, I'm going to give it to you. What, what are some positive, just a positive message that you want to leave with people today? Um, just about what's about the future. I think we're going to hopefully look at essential workers differently. I think when you look at people like uh, personal, uh, personal care workers, people in long-term care facilities, people who are begging your groceries or maybe not begging your groceries, but they're there at the cash out, I hope we look at them with a whole new set of eyes. I hope their pays, uh, wages start to reflect exactly how essential they are to our lives. I think we're going to have a newfound respect for nurses and doctors. And I think hopefully we're going to start to look at our neighbors with a little bit more warmth and compassion um, after having gone through something so traumatic kind of together, apart, yep. but together. Yep. And I think that the people who have been at the really lowest end of um, the ladder in life have been the ones who've also been keeping us up. And I think Absolutely. hopefully that we, 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 Boy, we, we have all learned that. Listen, my guest today has been the amazing Melissa Grello. She is now a She's going to take on new students uh, in the new year, 2021. (laughs) So if you've got kids you want to throw her away, listen, thank you so much, Mel, for doing this. Thank you. Stay safe. Lots of love to your family and to your folks from me. And uh, thank you, Adam, for today as well. And uh, you've been listening to the Jan Arden podcast. And we will see you next time, kind of, sort of, in an audio, in your ear kind of a way. Totally do. This podcast is distributed by the Women in Media Podcast Network. Find out more at womeninmedia.network.